from the summit in Scottsdale, Arizona, the Corps presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Hunter Marquard and Julie Johnson. Today's topic, Extreme Catering for Lenders. Does everyone know what class they're in? Yes? What class? Catering. To... Extreme catering. Extreme catering for profits, Jeremy. Uh, do I know what page? Of course, I do not know what page. 237. 237. Okay. Cool. Don't start flying through everything now, but yeah, 237. Um, so, is everyone beat? Is everyone feeling good right now? How's the energy level? Hi. Awesome. Love it. Who knows Julie Johnson? Okay. So Julie Johnson has been a core coach for how long? Uh, officially core a year, but coaching for three with Guild and Summit. Okay. So when I became a coach, which is seven and a half years ago, the barriers to entry were slightly lower. <laughs> so to be a coach now, to become a coach now, is not an easy task. And I've like. I, I'm borderline intimidated to even be talking with her because her systems and her processes and her catering and everything she does is so dialed in. I, I consider her the quiet giant. She's this obviously very sweet person, little, the, the quiet giant, making a couple million bucks a year, has 25 people in your branch. 23. So I've gotten to know her. She's... I mean, I'm sorry to just give you everything up, but I mean, mother of four kids, 31, 29, 27, 19. Nice job. Okay. So <laughs> she's amazing. So I'm stoked to be talking with, I'm stoked to be doing this class with her. Um, I, we wanted to do, we were talking about what we wanted this class to look like. And I'm not admittedly, like my strong point isn't on, I think we're, I'm excellent on some areas of catering and I'm horrible on others. Like the big event stuff, the stuff that happens on a, you know, once a year basis, that's really not my thing. So what, when we were talking about what we wanted everyone to get out of this class, it's more catering based on what we do on a daily basis to be valuable. I know when we talk about being valuable to our business partners, to our clients, and to our teams. So we want to talk about what it is that we're doing on a daily basis to be that asset to our teams. Like when I talk about teams as an example, I want us to change our heads a little bit about what we think of ourselves as it relates to like boss versus leader. I think we have to ask ourselves a lot of questions about, am I acting like a boss or am I acting like a leader for my team, right? Am I being useful to my business partners? Am I literally helping them make more money? Am I helping them be more successful? Do they look at me on a consistent basis and say, I will be more successful with Hunter in my life compared to any other lender, right? That's something that I just say repeatedly. I know it's probably long-winded at this point, but I say it every single day. It's the same thing we say to the clients every single day. So as it relates to clients, are we more valuable? Do we have, what are we doing on a daily basis to make ourselves more valuable so that clients will actually use us? Um, and one thing I thought about, if you guys could write this down, three C's, communication, consistency, 
and care. Communication, consistency, and care. Those, to me, are things, if we are doing those on a daily basis, if we're talking to our teams on a daily basis like this, our business partners um, and our clients, that's where my issues have come up. Just to share a little bit of pain for me, um, I don't love that this is being recorded because I have to give like my background. I'm, I'm doing like more stuff inside of my company now, so I'm doing some things wrong in my own personal production. And one of the th- like I was literally having drinks with a, a buddy, Brady Hobby, he's a realtor, and Brady said to me, "We haven't we've done less deals. I think we've done three deals together this year, and they were really more in the beginning of the year. And, and we're having a beer." And I said, Brady, what, what is going on? Like, we're not talking to each other as much. And he said, Hunter, I'm not cheating on you. I'm not doing anything else. But literally, my wife asked me the other day if you stop, like, if we got off of your list for lunch and learns, if we got off of your list for happy hours, because I slowed down on my activity. So the consistency there is just something I want us all thinking about. Like our business partners are literally, if we are not in communication with them, then we are not catering to their needs and we are getting things screwed up. So the other thing, um, client, um, I don't know why I started with this negative. So hopefully we'll turn around and make this whole thing positive. But um, sitting there doing Wednesday status updates for my pre-approvals. Right, that I do every single Wednesday. How many people do them every single Wednesday, no matter what? Thank you for being honest. So I call six realtors. And the way that I do my, my status calls, I call the realtor first to say, hey, I'm about to call the pre-approval. Is there anything you want me to touch base with them on? Is there anything I need to know? Out of six phone calls, three are in contract or had closed on a home. Not with me. Right. So it just it brought back. I think sometimes when we feel the most pain is when we get our business right. So for me right now, I am just switching things and doing this class with Julie. Like the timing is just perfect because I'm focusing on my team. I'm focusing on my business partners. It's like we've got to get back into catering. So uh, real quick, can I just get raise your hand if you don't mind sharing real quick? What do you want to make sure we get out of this class? Who wants to start? Okay. On the client, all of the above? Okay. Specific tactics on dealing with borrowers and business partners. Mitchell. You write this down. Things are catering to them, but obviously at a coaching level, there are some things you're going to know that I'm missing. So what's missing from our from our courses, what we learn? What's the next step up? How do we make them feel better and want to say, hey, why didn't you call me and invite me? That's, a, that's, a, that's an upper relationship. Got it. Okay, so your question is, as a student, what are we doing? I mean, I don't think, I think we're all students. So as a student... What are we doing to have our business partners look at us as a coach, right? Like they want to be a part of our club. That's what you're saying. And, and develop that, that, that extra relationship where they want to know where we're at and why we're having contact. It's more like a friend, but it's a friend business partner. Sure. How do we make sure that when we start a new um, 
partnership, a new relationship with a new business partner, that um, some of them feel like we owe them, and flip it around and now like, oh, he came to me or she came to me, instead of I'm giving her something so now she owes me. Sure. So your question is, the question is, what, how do we flip it basically so that a business partner, really realtors, and I think we need to be focusing on realtors right now, what is a, what are we doing for a realtor so that they no longer look at us as though we're asking for things as opposed to we're valuable to them? Correct. Okay. Got it. Okay. And to me, that comes with trust, right? If people, and we'll talk about it, but if the team knows that you care, then you can be firm. We talk about, you know, on my team on a regular basis, we talk about attacking problems, not people. And if the team understands that concept and you've continuously bred that into the conversations and you don't go postal because something didn't work out like it was supposed to, that comes. Regarding prospects, once they ask, and like we were mentioning the hot lead calls, like how to cater to them more, because I'm trying to increase my conversion from ads to so how do we take it up a notch to make sure we're getting all the cylinders on that? So from basically, like the conversion ratio between pre and app, we're all different in different markets, but from an app to a closing. To a closing. On a consistent basis. Yeah. Got it. How many people know what their uh, conversion ratios are from loan app to close? What? Give me some numbers. 48. 40. 33. 35. John Lopez on speaker being recorded. What is it? It was low. John's was low. There's a difference between getting people to just app and getting them to focus on, you know, I talked to, this is all about catering to your teams too. We have to set our teams up for success. And part of it is setting them up for success is not just to take every lead that walks through the door and get them to app as quickly as they can versus having some important conversations up front with them to determine if the client's someone you want to be going after in the first place as opposed to dumping a turd on your LP2's desk to process, to underwrite, to do all of these things when you have no, they have no intention of using you and vice versa. So, Jeremy? Um, something I would really love to know more about is two things. One is... Um, like making sure you're catering, but it's not. Mar- I feel like my catering turns into marketing, which is not what it's supposed to be. So, like, how to really show you care, like how to be impactful with care, and not have it feel like marketing. Yeah. Like, yeah. That that would be important. Okay. So Jeremy asked of just how do you make it feel? I mean, I so agree with you. How do you make it feel like you do in fact care, as opposed to you are asking for something? And I always. 
you know, a, a quick story. Roy Mason, three weeks ago, this is off the, su- it's, I planned on talking about this. It's different in that my son and I, Roy and I talk every Monday. My son and I got in an argument because he had knee surgery and he's a big, strong football player and he's getting soft. And I told him, you know, it's like, get back in shape, blah, blah, blah. He keeps talking about wanting to get back in shape, but he's not going to the gym. He's not doing it. So I was getting annoyed with him. Um, and I told Roy this. And Roy said to me, he goes, Hunter, don't ever forget to look through Jack's lens. Don't ever forget to look through Jack's lens. And it, like that just, it, it caught me like, I went into my team meeting, because I talked to Roy at 8, my team meeting's at 9, and I talked to my team about it. It's like, don't forget, we can't forget to look through the client lens. We can't forget to look through our team members' lens. We can't forget to look through our business partners' lens, right? So picture, I'm sure there's people in your life that call you and bug you for referrals. Are there, right? I mean, you got someone out there that calls you and bugs you for referrals. They don't deserve to ask you for referrals, and it's annoying. So, yeah, I mean, that's a very important, we'll, we'll talk about it. So, yeah. I would say, Hunter, with adding systems and processes to cater to your clients and your team, making sure that it happens uh, more often than not consistently. Okay. Just, yeah, so consistency, of how you execute on the consistency of it. Cool. So the definition, I thought this was interesting when I was coming out here. I, I looked this up. The definition of cater to supply what is required or desired. That's the definition. Now, I would like to change that. To supply what is required or desired, it's, it needs to be to supply what is required and desired. Right? It goes back to the point of how we're talking to our clients, business partners, and our team members. It's not necessarily how we want to communicate. It's how they want to communicate. Right? We have to be thinking, what is it that they want? So if you look at a business partner, you look at a client, and you look at a team member, who do you think is the most important to take care of first? Like if you were going to prioritize that list, what would it be? Team? Okay, everyone, everyone, does anyone disagree with team? Okay. Um, how many people think that that is, in fact, the order of which they cater to? How many people, how many, raise your hand if you think that you're really good at, like, if I called your team, they would be like, that it's the best, lead. they're not a boss, they're a leader, they're amazing. How many people, raise your hand. Okay. How many people believe that they just absolutely do not put the time and energy into their teams that they need to? Please be honest. Okay, cool. So we agree. We're, we're going to start with team and the tactics that we have. One other thing. Grab a piece of paper. As far as what we want you to take out of this class, going back to tactics, We're going to talk about team. We're going to talk about business partners. We're going to talk about clients. On the left-hand side, I just want you to write down three tactics that you, that is the easiest, three tactics for each group that you hear at the table, that you hear from us. We don't all have the right answers. A lot of you guys have great answers at your tables. But the way that I like to think of things is ease of execution. So on a scale of one to 10, how easy is this, is this to implement? And on a scale of 1 to 10, how important is this? So that's like the tactics that are going to go on the left-hand side. That's what we want you thinking about for Monday. We want you to take tactics that you can implement on Monday on all three of these. So go ahead, Julie. Michael. Hi, everybody. 
So Hunter doesn't know this, but five and a half years ago, when I started in level one, I listened to a bunch of CDs, and I still have a huge voice crush on Hunter. Doesn't he have an amazing voice? Yeah. Just amazing, right? And then, <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. Only voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Face made for radio. I got to meet him, go to his classes, and now coaching with him. Um, he's got an incredible family life. He's been married for how many years? 20? 20. 20 years. This year was 20. Two boys. Yep. First one just got his driver's license. Three days so, ago. Yeah, so super amazing, and I'm Scary. honored to be here with you and grateful. Thanks, Julie. So I want to share some pain, and it's uh, kind of embarrassing pain, but there's a happy ending, sort of. Within the last three and a half years, I've had two LPs, two LP2s, give me their resignation within two hours, two of them. I was able to save one. The other one, I decided, you know, attitude isn't right. But still, it's my fault, no matter what. But if somebody leaves me, it's my fault. I've had an LP1 resign and cringe and tell me that I don't like the way you talk to your daughter. And my daughter works, on, works with me. She's an LP1 on my team. I had another LP1 resign and tell me, there's too much nepotism here. I can't work here anymore. I felt like I couldn't win. But as Rick said today, it's not failure, it's struggles, and we're going to get through it. So when I think about being a good leader, I think about being a good parent and what that really looks like. So if we think about it, what's a good parent? Provide opportunities, educate, and discipline when needed. And there's a really good TED Talks about this. But that's how I've come in to grow my team as a good parent. So in our world, what does that look like? Opportunities. Well, you really got to get to know your, your team members. You have to sit with them, have a one-on-one, -on -one, figure out what they're all about, and also figure out what they want to do in the future, even if it means they don't want to be here anymore in this industry. I have somebody on my team today. She, I'm in the tech world in Seattle. Uh, Facebook is across the street. Google's behind me. Amazon's to the left. She's super techie, and she said, that's my calling, and I'm going to resign in February. And I said, awesome. I'm happy for you. Work hard now with me. It's going to make you better later. Three and a half years ago, I would have said, no! My God, how could you do this? I don't like you. I mean, that's what I would have done. Three and a half, four, and a half, four years ago. So opportunities, right? And if you think about discipline, opportunities, um, and education, I mean, those are the things we want for our children so that they grow up to be better than us. So for me, I feel like that's what I need to do for my team, my branch, everybody in my office, from, from my admin to, to everybody. Julie, when do you have that discussion with them? I mean, is it like a scheduled meeting? That yes, we have a monthly one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> And we talk. And either I take them to lunch, we sit in the conference room. It doesn't have to be an hour long. It could be 15 minutes. They're used to it now, and sometimes they're really quick. Um, so that's what we do with that. Um, if you think about discipline, what does that look like? I mean, we're going to make mistakes, right? All, we still make mistakes. So I look at that like the love sandwich, right? Praise what happened. Love again, right? So I think that's really important for our team. And, and you know, I'm a, 
I'm a high D. Probably most of you are too, right? So I've had to learn all this. It, it hasn't been easy, but I'm getting better. And every day I feel like I'm more grateful and I'm happier. And my team knows that too. So educate, what does that mean? Educate means we need to do two trainings a week, bottom line. Rick's telling us now, two trainings a week. One has to be done by us and the other by somebody else. It could be bringing lunch for, you know, 20 minutes and talk about something. Or role playing is important too. So educating. How many people are training on a weekly basis? How many are not? Perfect. Okay. Every single time a topic comes up, there should be a training notebook. Every single time a question that comes up, it's a training opportunity for the whole team. Right? One, one person's problem is, I guarantee it, everyone else's problem. And it's, there's nothing, I mean, on, on the ground, live, like you can't train based on a, sitting in a conference room picking a subject and just, it's based on real experiences that the team is struggling with. You need to train on a weekly basis. The team loves it. So. Right. And, and the fun stuff is, is good too. So, uh, December 6th, we're, we're actually coming back here. We're staying at the Four Seasons, taking our team along with their spouses. So we have to engage with their spouses or significant others. They have to know that we care. <coughs> Definitely. Uh, another surprise that we did for our team is, uh, in April, before the sun came out in Seattle, I texted my team and I said, meet me downstairs. I had an Uber driver pick us up and we went to Nordstrom and we got sunglasses, designer sunglasses. So a surprise treat. And, you know, we would do that for our kids too, right? Surprise trip to Disneyland or, or buy them something. So for me, it's really important to, you know, treat my team like my family. Love them, educate them, give them opportunities so they'll be better than us. Cool. Uh, earlier, we were talking about the, 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 in, in the time management, Robin kind of stole my thunder because one of the things that I want to concentrate on, I know everybody has a daily team meeting. Is there anyone in this room that doesn't have a daily team meeting? Okay, that's okay. Thank you. How many people can honestly tell me that they have an impactful team meeting every single day where the team comes out of there pretty fired up about the day? They know where they're going. Raise your hand if that's what your team meeting looks like. Okay, so we need better team meetings than what we have today. It's it's just it's they need to have a theme. Um, I I don't think I was the originator of it, but the the Monday on reviewing the Wheel of Life. For five years, I came to summits. I looked at the Wheel of Life once. I looked at it the next year, and that was it. I didn't do a single thing on it. Okay. My team now does, just like the core does, we do a wheel of life, where are you now, where do you want to be, every six months, and we review it every single Monday in our team meeting for 10 minutes, okay? Your team, going back to the lens, your team, you look at it going, I don't want to do this right now, I'm already, you know, whatever, I'm coaching, I'm being coached, i got to talk to clients, i got to do this. They're looking, if you're doing your job, they're looking at you like, this is 30 to 45 minutes that I get to spend with our leader. That's how they are looking at this, okay? So you have to be, make sure that your mindset is, these people, it's just like some, you know, if someone's talking to you and you're not giving them their time, their, your time, it doesn't feel good, right? So your team is looking for you to get personal with them. So the wheel of life 
Absolutely. I thought it was going to be cheesy. I thought they were going to laugh at me. They love it. I have asked them. We've now done it for two and a half years. And I have said to them six different times, do you guys want to switch this up? Do you want to change? And every single time, the answer is no. So, Bob, quick question. Yeah, when you're, when you're doing that wheel of life with your team weekly, what does that look like? It looks so Bob asked, what does it look like when we're reviewing it weekly? Everyone pulls theirs out, right? LP one, Bridget holds them all for everybody after we do them. She hands them around on Monday morning. We go through it's an agenda and everybody you have to have a set agenda for every single team meeting. How was your weekend? Quickly? Not quick by the way, not quickly. I mean if someone everyone knows that you know they know me. I mean I'm not like looking for a two hour how was the weekend, but don't interrupt people but make it pretty quick. Um, then we pass out the wheel of life and everyone just picks a topic, right? So, uh, you know, Eric has an example. Will she want she'd pick family and she'd take her grandma to church. Uh, Holly, similar to what Robin was talking about, wanted to take out a hundred bucks at the ATM and not spend any more money. Bridget wanted to work out five days that week, right? I wanted to not drink for the week, right? Like, so everyone's picking a, what we're working on. Then we check it off the following week and we just keep going. But it just, it's an opportunity for everybody to bond and it shows that you're involved and interested in their relate, in your relationship with your team. Hey, you guys, can, can you just, that is so important. That also helps with getting to know who your team, you know, team is. That's the daily stuff that comes up. So I'm definitely going to implement that. Yeah. That's awesome. Is there any reason that, does anybody have any issue with implementing that? Does anybody look at that and say, eh? Go ahead. I've tried it several times, and for some reason, I mean, we have a really good connection. All of our team, honestly, we do, we do a lot of events and things, but I've tried it. I'm not sure if anybody else in the groups have this issue, but it comes off very just, okay, Scott, I'll do it for you. And, and there's, there's no buying it. And there's no, I just can't see the, the magic dust on it that a lot of you guys can. I'd love to hear. I'm not the only one who's had that problem. Cool. Uh, so the, the issue is no buy-in. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to hit you with it. It's a reflection of you. It, to me, it's, it's, but it's, it's asking, it's asking the questions, right? It's like, why wouldn't you? I like to explain things to my team. Like I like to, I like to understand how other people are thinking, and I like them to understand how I'm thinking, and that way we're talking. So for me, I would simply say, "Hey guys, this is important to me. I'm trying to create a culture here where we are a family. We are. I tell people that interview with us, we're weird. We work on goals together. We talk about big picture things. I'm not in. Like I don't want an employee, and you don't want a boss. I want to be a leader, and I want you to be a part of our team, not my team." So these are the types of activities that we do. Is there any, can you help me understand why you don't want to do it? Right? Just ask them. I mean, just, I love just asking direct questions. Help me understand why you don't want to do this. And I think also it actually helps to start, you know, it starts with us. Right? If I'm in a bad mood, my team's going to be in bad mood. If I'm in a great mood, they're going to be in great mood. So if I'm going to start that, I'm going to talk about it first and being, you know, be engaged and have this energy. I think that might help. Yeah. Too. When I, when I, like I had an epiphany probably five years ago where it was like, you know what, I'm not going to be afraid to lead anymore. And I think when you make the decision that you're not afraid to lead and you're not worried about who's judging you in the room, what team member thinks this is cheesy, what per, you know, when you just go at it, you, you end up finding that people are more committed and wanting to be. I mean, I've got all very different dynamics on my team and literally I was worried about bringing it up 
but everyone was all in, and the people that I thought would have the biggest issue with it are the most engaged with it. So you need to have a daily team meeting with a consistent message every time. Mondays, for me, is how we doing, the wheel of life, the big rocks from Friday, big rocks today, ask me a question, and then we're done, okay? Every single time I have a site visit, Barry, you were there. Who else was there? You've been, you'll see me every single time ask me a question. And the team, when you start doing it, looks at you like you have three eyes in your head. I mean, they are, it's like what, it can't be a, it can't be a question about a loan. It has to be a random, I mean, they ask me about politics. They ask me about money. They ask me about why I do what I do. They, I mean, they ask everything and anything. But it gets everybody talking and it gets people asking weird questions. And the weirder the question, the more the relationship is, is bonding. So that happens. So that's Monday. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are the same meeting every time, which is how we doing? Big rocks from yesterday. Big rocks from today. Ask me a question. That's, and those are 20 minutes, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday is 40 minutes. Monday's also 40 minutes. Friday is we review the week, how many leads came in, how many pre-approvals were issued, did I follow my greatness tracker? So they're looking at, we literally send out my greatness tracker on a daily basis with how many leads came in, how many thank you cards sent, everything that's on a lead tracker goes out, and then we review it at the end of the week together, and then it's the same thing, which is uh, big rocks from the day before, big rocks today, uh, ask me a question, what are you guys doing this weekend? That's it, and then we're done. So... Have a impactful team meeting. It's critical. Table work? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's do some table work. So everybody write down one or two things that you can implement and then talk amongst yourself and come up with the best one. Thank you. Hey, so a couple other things on team that I don't know why. I'm, uh, so how many people are doing performance evaluations? Okay, good. Those are a must, right? People want to know, again, it's like, it's one of those things for me, it's painful. For them, it's everything. They want to know where they stand. They want to know how they're doing. They want direct and honest feedback. If someone's doing really well, too, by the way, my best people have never asked for a raise. Okay? They've gotten, they've, I've given them raises without them having to request a raise. So, yeah. So Twice a year. Yeah, twice a year. You don't incorporate a raise with them? No, not every time, no. Just, I mean, it, just, it depends. Um, quarterly offsite meetings. Again, how many people are doing them? Please show me your hands. How many people are doing a quarterly meeting? Okay. Those need to be in your calendar all year. I mean, like, it literally should be, starting now, just do it for 2020. Okay? You get together for, everyone comes to my house, we get together for four hours. We do, we talk about how I am as a boss, leader. I get very direct feedback from them, right? Uh, the culture test, you guys all have the, if you, if you don't have the culture test for the core, you need to send an email to the concierge 
asking for the culture test. It's incredibly valuable. Um, we talk about what went right. We talk about what went wrong. We talk about each individual as a team. Like, what is one thing that one person... We, we will literally go around. It's not attacking each other. We will go around the table, and we will talk about what is one thing that Michelle did great this quarter? What is one thing Bridget did great this quarter? What is one thing that Erica did great this quarter? What is one thing that Bridget can improve on for the next quarter? What is one thing? So we're having very hard, but because we do trust each other, I think, you know, back to the question of someone asked, like, how do you create, I think it was you, about the, the discipline, being able to have a disciplined conversation with them. It's these things that allow that to happen. And when you don't get overly emotional with your team members and you're just attacking the problems versus the individual, then there's just a level of trust. And then all of a sudden, it's no longer an awkward conversation to tell someone they're doing something right or they're doing so well everyone wants to know they're doing something right but if they're doing something wrong it just makes it a lot easier so you need to have a quarterly meeting and then you need to go celebrate so you need to go out i mean jeremy you throw what do you throw axes Jeremy takes his team and goes out and throws axes with him. Go to, a, I mean, not a movie, but we'll go wine tasting. Go do something fun after the fact to celebrate. Um, the other thing that we did on Monday was charity work. Everyone is always too busy for charity work, right? It, the day shows up. It's in the calendar. We, we went to Glide Memorial in San Francisco Everyone met at 5.30 in the morning at the office. We were back in the office at 10 o'clock, did the morning shift for the soup kitchen, and everybody gets in the car and they feel different. So, commit to doing charity work. Um, Rick always talks about food in the office. It is true. When you have food, if you don't have food in the office, you are nuts. So you need to have food in your office. Everything that they want, let them order. Right? You don't need to order for it. Let them pick what they want and get it. Um, this is the hardest one that I've ever done. How many people do a personal budget with their teams? Raise their hand. Right? It goes back to the question that you, you know, like, how do you get buy-in for that? Right? That's the high, that's the hardest one. How do you get buy-in on that? My conversation sounds like, you guys, we're all W-2 employees at a large company, so I can't push. I, I'm not going to make you do this with me. All I can tell you is that retirement is either death or savings. I am an expert on saving money and helping people save money. I will look at your information. I will not judge you. I will not. I see everybody's information all the time. We will look at it together and we will make changes that will allow you to retire at some point in the future. Who's in? Like That's literally what the conversation sounds like. Go through the, I go through the budget with them. I go through an initial review with them as far like, how do you start this is, I guess, my point to you guys. Do a team meeting, do a training on a example budget from the core. Um, it's, it's been a game changer. One person, my team captain, literally since she has started with me, she now has $180,000 saved because she decided to go all in on going through her budget. The last thing um, that Julie touched on is you need to sit down with these people and you need to find out what they need from you. What they need from you. I sat down, I'm not going to mention the name because it is being recorded, but I sat down with one person 
and she was freaking out about debt. Said, I want to pour into you guys because I, because I got off track. I told you guys I got off track. Um, it, this year, honestly, I've been a little off track. I told my team at the last quarterly team meeting, I was going to spend the rest of the year pouring into them because I believe if, if I pour into them, they will pour into our clients, right? Our, our teams will treat our clients like we treat our teams. So I sit down with this one person. She starts crying. She's telling me how she's got debt, all these different things. She's finally willing to go in on the budgeting. So... I gave her, sent her an email saying, I want to help change everything for you. I gave her $1,000 cash to help pay down the debt. And this is, I just want to give you examples. The reason I printed a couple of these out is you have to hear that the stuff works and it's not just made up. So she said, wow, I don't even know where to start. You've already done so many things for me that I will be forever grateful. But this one takes the cake. I will never be able to thank you enough for this. This debt is something I think about every day. And it wasn't until the team meeting on Friday when you were talking about budgets that I was really thinking to myself, it's time to get serious about this. I know I won't be able to do this by myself, and I'd probably be pretty dumb to pass up this kind of help if you were wondering why I was so quiet during the topic. I've never really had anyone in my life to look up to for financial guidance, and I'm ready to take you up on it now. So, I mean, it's like, that's wow. important stuff. That's wow. You know, so you, I want you to be thinking like, do you have the capacity to get that kind of an email from one of your team members? So, and if you don't, you should. So, so I should have asked you guys now, based on those tactics, be, I mean, those are easy things to implement that will change your relationship with your team members. Barry brought up an example too. Again, to your point on buy-in. He's, I'm coaching him right now. He had the same issue, right? He was going through it with them. They're not buying into it. They're kind of like, whatever. He started having a conversation with him that I, that I, he had a conversation with them that I had with him about the concept of psychological safety. Like in that room, anything can be shared. Anything can go. And after having that conversation about having psychological safety and everybody being a family, it's changed, right? So cool. All right, Julie, so now we are going to roll into business partners. Right. So for me, it's mostly agents, of course. And um, so I keep it pretty simple. kind of like that because I'm not as smart as you may think I am. But uh, so I answer my phone a lot. You know, if I'm at the office and I don't have an appointment, I am answering my, my phone. So I'm answering an agent's call. I'm answering an agent's text. I am at their beck and call during work hours, and, and they know that. They can always reach me. Um, speed to the lead. How important is that for our referral partners? If you think about your agents, how many leads do you think they have a month? Maybe seven, maybe six, maybe four. If you don't call back that lead, that could be a quarter or a third of their business. I always tell my team, and I go like this, we have to take care of that lead like a baby bird. That is a baby bird. And so I'm always going around the office doing this, and they know what that means. So really taking care of their leads is super important. Another simple tactic that I implemented probably about four years ago that that my agents completely love is actually on page 237. And it's a simple appraisal email, and I got it from one of the core coaches. I can't remember who, but it's basically um, my LP2 direct submit sends an email out to to the agents, copies the buyer's agent, not the listing agent, the buyer's agent, and I tell my team, okay, find something great to talk about the house, no matter what. 
You know, even if it, there's nothing there, say the neighborhood's great or the sky looks blue or whatever. And so they have to put that in the email. I love the wood floors. I love the fireplace. And then the simple line that talks about the agent. Thank you so much, Rob, for taking great care of this client and finding them their home. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have agents just say, thank you so much. No one pats me on the back. This is so huge. I just love it. So what does that mean? That means they want to work with us, right? They, want, they, li- they like that feeling. They want, they want to be edified. And we don't do it just from the beginning when we talk to the lead. We do it during the appraisal process, too, as well as the Tuesday updates. So with what Julie just said, I think one thing that we always have to be careful of in this group of people, because it's so structured and structure wins overall, but you can't have people, your business partners, feel like they are part of a process, right? You can't have them, when you put them on automated emails, when you put them on automated texts, when you put them on automated everything, it doesn't work, right? I mean, they don't, it's literally why people stop using you. So when you start putting in, you have to train your team too, because you're not going to be the only one sending it. You have to train your team to be looking out for those types of opportunities. You've got to use different language. You have to say, my pleasure. You have to say, how's your day going? You have just these silly little things in an email that doesn't look like a template. So, right. And also, so in that same email, we copy the LP1 and then the loan officer. So it's a big love fest that we all chime in. Oh my gosh, I love this home. And I truly love today just to still look at the appraisals. I get a kick out of it. I, I, it excites me. So that's our love fest, chime in email, make everybody feel good, edify the agent, and getting it done. I have one more tactic. Um, so I also do a Friday lead tracker. Um, we're automated and we have Jungo, so we can do that. Um, and it's just, we don't talk about anything under contract. It's just either a lead, uncontacted, pre-approval, or pre-underwritten. That's it. Contracts go on Tuesday updates. So that's all they get. They get that on Friday. Uh, I, I, get, I get a kick at it because people, they email me back and say, oh my gosh, I don't have enough leads for you. I'll get more leads for you. So they love that. And it's on a Friday morning, so they go into the weekend because they mostly work on weekends, knowing that they need to get more leads. And it just gets them in the right sense. And it also makes it also makes us look like we're super organized, right? Because I know most agents aren't, and we're here to help them, right? So that's part of, you know, being on their team is helping them get organized. Aaron, you have a question? Sure. So three ways in which you classify. Great. So it says lead, and it says uh, pre-approved or pre-underwritten. So we do all three. So if they're pre-approved, but they're not pre-underwritten yet, then they'll be in that stage. Uh, and then, yeah, so it's just basically, it's the last touch. So it's what's going on, last touch, and the date. And then the LP1 who's assigned to it. Yes. So do you just attach, like, report and go for the open read, or do you say something in the box? We had it built out for us. Kevin's question was, is it built out in Jungo? And right. you, you're it's built out. I'm not yeah, that techie. It's built out. So I'm saying, I know exactly what it looks like. So, like, it has the notes and everything. Yes. Right. has the notes. So do you just, like, attach that to an email to the agent, or do you say something? Oh, no, we, we attach it. And the email just says, it comes from my, um, my LP1 saying, on behalf of Julie, Here's your weekly lead update. Let us know if you need anything. And I'm copied on that email. 
And if, you know, in the beginning when I, when I did this, and if you don't have the bandwidth to have, you don't have Jingo, it can start with a Friday morning call for like an hour. You can just call your agents and just talk about the leads, right? That's a great phone call right there. Hey, let's, I'm just calling to talk about our leads. So whether you have three or 30 agents, you can still do it. And I would say, too, at this point, it's like we don't ever want to teach and train on, you know, like some software because other people aren't going to have it. But at this stage in the game, we have to have a tracking mechanism that's pretty solid to be able to talk to a business partner as quickly as we can and to be able to update them on the leads, pre-approvals that we have going with them right now. I mean, that should be able to, I use a giant Google doc that's been built out where I, you know, plug in someone's name and every single lead with where they are pops into my screen and I can just walk them through that. So, um, going back to the mindset on these business partners, they are literally handing us their livelihood on a silver platter, right? That is what they are doing when they give us a lead. So how we handle those leads and how we communicate back to them, I will always give the example of a financial advisor. I gave him a client, he closed a million dollar client and I found out from the client six months later. And it's just like, when you're on the other end, the, the, the lens, right? When you're looking through the other person's lens, you, we all have to be asking ourselves, does this person feel the love, right? Like if I'm on the other end of this lead that I gave, and the answer is not always yes for me, right? If I got three, if I got three buyers that go into contract with a different lender and the realtor and the client didn't call me about it, obviously I was doing something wrong. So, I mean, but we all, for me, that was the wake up call of, this isn't, it's not always what you think it is, right? You're not always as good as you think you are with how you're communicating with these leads. So when you talk, when Julie's talking about cute things that we could dismiss as, ah, whatever, I mean, I don't want to say I'm dismissing, but like, you know, in the wrong frame of mind, I can be like, yeah, 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 whatever. Those things are important. They all matter. Like, like if you look at a conversion table, right? You look at how many, one through 10, 10 being you're the ultimate commodity, one being you've got something no one else has. What are you doing to drive that commoditization line down further and further? And little words like my pleasure versus no problem, all of those things start to matter in your communication. We have to have way more purposeful communication than we have. So I wanted to talk about a, a, just a massive tactic for me. And I printed these out. I'm sorry, I did not think about them ahead of time. For the last couple of years, actually not in the last year, um, I've turned everything around where I'm on the front end of converting leads, right? My team captain and I are the only, I mean, we're talking to every lead that we can to get them converted. I got rid of my, they still work for the company, so I should be careful. I love them, but they, they're not on the team anymore. And they're, just because Kevin Polakovich told me, why wouldn't you put your best foot forward on converting the lead? And then honestly, if you screw something up in the middle of the transaction, they're at least your client already. So... So we came up with what's called LP2 notes. It was an internal document that we that I had to give, or Eric and my team captain had to give. Every single time we gave the file over to the LP2, we had to give them the following information. How do how do we know the? And I'll, you guys, I'm going to get these to the core. I don't want you to have to try to write all these down right now, um, unless you want to. I've turned this into a business partner facing page. So after every single conversation that Erica and I have, this information goes out 
to the business partner. And what it also makes us do, Erica and myself, it makes us have a consistent conversation with the bar, with the lead every single time to make sure that we're getting the information that we need to determine if this is the right borrower for us and what we're doing. So how do they know the referral? How do they know the referral source? And are they shopping realtors? What is their personality type? Are they a first time home buyer? Yes or no? What's the range of the purchase price and the down payment? Where is the down payment coming from? Are there any concerns on qualification? What are their priorities around lifestyle, schools? What is their reason for buying? What is the area they're looking in? What are our follow-up steps? What is their emotional state or specific needs? What is the urgency? And is there any other important information we need to know? If you're a business partner and you get, the, I mean, like it started with, because it's kind of a lot of information, right? And the LP2 notes, I finally, I've got one great business partner that I totally trust. So I just forwarded it. I just, forwarded, I said, I normally wouldn't do this, but I'm just going to forward you this internal document so you know what's going on with the lead. She went bananas. I mean, like she, it was like, it was unbelievable. I mean, so we, of course, customize, we changed it around a little bit to have some softer language. But she, start, she starts asking me, what do you mean personality type? What are, you, like, what are you trying to find out with the priorities? What do you mean, are they your ideal client or not? What do you, so it gives me the opportunity with every business partner to talk about how we're referring each other, right? What we're saying to one another, did we edify the realtor? What does that sound like with that realtor? And I'm just telling you, it's a game changer. So I will get the, this tactic for me is the best tactic that I've probably had in six months on realtor communication. So is anyone doing anything like this now? I do it and I don't share it with the realtor. Right. That's what just went off. Right. It's slightly different, but we send all of our new on the client to the agent with the critical look. Awesome. Or just gives them all the ammo. Yeah. Right. You're setting them up for success, right? That's all we have to be doing is setting that up for success. You want your, their experience with you to be so amazing that when they have to deal with another lender, they're thinking, this is why I use Hunter, right? This is why I use Julie. This is why I use you guys. So um, the other thing we do is we gift. All of our gifting is both of our names. All of our gifting is both of our names. So... Put both of your names on the gift. Let them know that. Let them know that you're doing that. Right? It builds. I mean, they're thinking, "Holy cow, this is amazing!" I don't even have to send the gift. I don't have to send the housewarming gift. I don't have to send flowers to the hospital because they got hurt. Whatever it is, put both of your names on everything. Okay. Um, the other thing for me is literally like all of our realtors, most of our realtors, they're winning awards. They're doing stuff. We just kind of like we don't act like it's a big deal. Right. You have to celebrate the wins with your business partners. Like you need to be on the lookout for every single every award they've gotten, anything that they're posting on Facebook, even though I hate Facebook. But like you've got to get on there as well to support them. It means something to them. Right. I mean, I don't love Facebook. but if I post something, I'm human. I'm kind of like, huh, who liked it? You know, who, who, who wrote a comment? Like, you kind of appreciate the people that write a comment. So make sure that you're always out in front, because if you're not, someone else is. 
Um, client birthdays. I call my realtors every time my client birthdays pop up on my calendar and they pop up on my call sheet. Right. So Bridget gives them to me every day with a call sheet and they're also on my calendar. So always call the business partner first to tell the business partner it is the client's birthday. It is a small thing, but it makes you look like you are out in front of them like no one else's business. Right. You care about them. So um, with that, do me a favor. Go around. Write down three things. Circle the favorite and the one you're going to execute in on Monday. And share it with the table. We'll go, let's go girls first. Um, the last thing too, I'm really on track on this. You have, like, your top 20, not every single person, you have to do business planning with your business partners, and you have to track it. The core also, I've customized mine, but it has questions on there like, how valuable was I to you in 2019? On a scale of 1 to 10, how valuable was I? Please give me two things that I can improve on. How was our communication? Is there anything we can do to be better? What are your goals for 2020? It's all on, it's all on the core. The core has a business planning form for realtors. Okay. I'll also send mine there too so you guys can see what I've done to customize it. But it's super important because then every time you're talking, like in a perfect world, and I know that it's not all perfect, but all of this information that we hear about, it's just the ones, the people that are the most successful are just the ones that are actually executing on the documentation that you have, right? So if you actually imagine having a great business partner where you understood what they were trying to accomplish in the next year and you were holding them accountable on a monthly, quarterly, semi-annual, annual basis to be successful, you're going to end up doing more business with them, right? And it gives you the opportunity to debrief with them to how you're doing and how you're not doing, right? I mean, Otto, I will flat out say to someone like, hey, we didn't do that. Like, we, we were way more successful in 2017 than we were in 18 or 18, 19. I did something wrong. Tell me, right? That's actually what Brady Hobby did for me. He told me what I did wrong. I stopped communicating with Brady Hobby, right? So if you're not in communication with your business partners, you're not an asset to them. Right. You are not. You're actually a liability to them. Right. So I think we, we got to think every moment of the day with our business partners. We're either acting as an asset or a liability to them. If we're not holding people, every person in this room wants to be held accountable. Every person in this room that wants to work with someone else probably wants to work with someone similar to them. They also want to be held accountable. It means that you care about their business. If you know, if someone called me out of the blue and said, Hey Hunter, I wanted to find out how you were doing. I know you got stuck doing some other stuff with the company. How's, how's your own business doing now? Like if someone called me six months from now because they wrote that down somewhere, it's impactful. So you got to do business planning with your realtors. Again, I wanted to just, I'm not doing this to brag. I guess I am. Um, brag on. Do it. Sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, here it is. 
There are lenders, and then there is Hunter and his team. Everything seems to be transactional these days. Virtual business connections, online applications. Most clients don't even have a face-to-face meeting with their lender, which is presented as a benefit, however questionable, by questionable, like Quicken, Cash Call, Gugain. The list is endless. If that's what you are into, Hunter can do this as well as anyone. But if you're looking for more than being a number in somebody's production line for, someone, for some extra time, for being heard, for more individual attention, for personal touch, for follow-up, for follow-through, for getting results and being cared about, yes, I said this forgotten word, then look no further. I guess Hunter could follow the crowds and build his business on numbers, but the core of his philosophy are actual relationships. That's his motivation, that's his driver, and a guarantee of superb results for you. It's much harder, but it's solid, genuine, and lasting. I've done a lot of business with Hunter, and not once did he fail to impress my clients. Real estate transactions are rocky and emotional. Things can go wrong, and they often do. You want your team to have a person who is straightforward, accountable, professional, and just pleasant to deal with. In the end, it's not all about the APR, but your experience before, during, and long after you purchase or refinance your home. I know I'm in good hands. Are you? That's one of the top realtors in my market. Um, how many, I mean, do you guys get responses like that from realtors? No? Okay. So... I, I, I honestly didn't ask for this, by the way. And you know, what I would want you to take away from it is just the difference between process and putting purpose with a process, right? We're so the goo gains and the quick ins and the cash calls, they're process, and they are going to outprocess us all day long, right? We are not. I am not going to be able to contact someone automatically like Quicken is. But if I can put my face, we all have to put our faces, we all have to put our names, we all have to put our emotions and our joy into these realtor business partner relationships and you'll get more responses like this. I hadn't I didn't I haven't read this in probably six months and when I was going through to get this class going, I was like, holy crap, like this is I need I need every one of my business partners and you need every one of your business partners to want to write this kind of an email to you, right? Hang and that on your on wall. Zillow. Hang it on your wall. Hang it on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, okay, go for it. Now we're All talking right. clients. Okay, so we're talking and then about. We'll go to, and then we'll go to questions. Great. So clients, it has to start with an amazing process. Do you agree? How many people have a professional presentation? How many people have a workflow that you've given to your LP1s and LP2s so they know exactly what to do? Good. If you don't have one, there's so many of them. I've copied them. They're amazing. So 70% of humans are high S's. Is that right? I believe that's right. Right? Just go with it. Okay. Then it's true. (laughs) High S's want to be guided. Bottom line. So what we implemented is anytime we're emailing something, we put on the bottom Next steps with a nice bright arrow. Underneath is what is coming next. This solves a lot of problems for us too because we don't get a lot of phone calls because they know what's coming next. Um, that has been a game changer. And, all, and something also really great is our, our actual presentation. I have a sheet that just talks about, okay, so you're working with me and Kate now. She's, she's my loan partner. She's amazing. Once you're under contract, we're going to add one more amazing person to the team, and that's Tatiana. And she is going to be added to the party because we have to make sure that when you're under contract that you're going to close on time. So there's no surprises. So when Kate 
gets a contract, she's going to say, remember when Julie talked to you and said that we're going to add Tatiana to the team? Well, now you're ready. So having a process and me explaining it to them, it starts with me, right? Caters to our clients that way. I think that's really, really important. Is it template? Is it a template? Yep. Okay. Everything's template. If you want it, just let me know. Does Tati- Tatiana? Tatiana. Tatiana. Yeah. She's our she... LP2 direct submit. Okay. Does she reach out and introduce herself she, to the client? She calls first, of course. She calls okay. first, and then there's an email that goes out after that per our conversation. Here's, you know, here's what we talked about. I'm excited to work with you. I have templates for all that. It's all the same. Pretty cool. Useful. So when we're talking about catering, you guys, like if a client understands where they're going versus just a random, I just got this, it's so much nicer, right, to be guided as opposed to just getting a random email or a random phone call from someone acting like they've been involved with you the whole time. So that I think that's one of the things that we screw up on. You know, it's like our, our pro, like, we're 90% of the way there, but then the 10% of the things that we don't do, like just on an effective handoff, peeking, Lisa Wells, she taught a class, she called it peeking around the corner. Everything you can do to peek around the corner to help your client feel like they understand what's next and everything we can do internally with our teams or our business partners to help them feel like we're looking around the corner for them is huge. So like when you're looking at your systems, on the client communication, it has to be a clean, smooth, compassionate handoff. Exactly. Something else that we implemented, every time we're on the phone with the client, we always end the conversation with, is there anything extra I can do for you? And we don't sound fake, we sound as genuine as possible. And um, I promise you, no one has ever, ever asked for anything extra. I'm waiting for that. But what does that set? It sets the standard that we have high standards. I will do anything for you, right? Who else is going to say that? Have you ever had a call like that? Is there anything extra I can do for you? It's, it's a game changer. Just That's that a training one. opportunity for your team, right? right? All of us should have a 15-minute training opportunity on that. And then I would also say my own personal favorite is my pleasure versus no problem. You'll never hear any single person on my team. You would get shot yeah. if you said no problem. Okay. So after you have your consultation dialed in and your process in, then you can add the fun stuff. So you know how you like have a referring moment? Like if you hear an agent or a you know, client say, you guys are amazing. I love you. You're wonderful. That's a time to ask for a referral. Well, we, we listen for clues about what's happening in their life. So if somebody's getting married, you know, we're going to send a present, right? Uh, We have a client right now who's a grandfather, but he's adopting uh, a set of twins. How amazing is that? So we called them and said, you know, we we want you, we want to, you know, you guys to go out for dinner and have a wonderful time. This is amazing. You're just incredible. It's like a three-time client. So, so little things like that. Birthdays. There's so many things you can think about. I'm, I can probably say that I've had four clients in the last two or three years that somebody's died, right? So we get to know our clients because sometimes it takes a long time for them to, to find a home, right? They're, they're a lead, they're pre-approved six months later, and we do our weekly cars. How's it going? What's going on? Oh, my mom passed away. That's the time, you know, to show our sympathy, send, you know, send flowers, send a card. So after you have your baseline of a great process and flow, then you can add the fun stuff. So train, what I would say just from a tactic standpoint is we need, you need to train your team members to be thinking and asking questions that get you outside of just talking about numbers and loans. My team, for 2019, we introduced what's called extreme gifting. And anyone on my team has the ability to 
they just send the email to Bridget. It's all prime-based, and we just order any single time we hear about a death, any single time if it's a random gift. It, focus, it makes the team ask questions that they normally wouldn't be asking. And I'm telling you, the client experience, you want to talk about impacting your conversion ratios, right? Talk to a lead that had a bad day and send them dinner, right, with just an automatic. Do you, how much Does everyone know in this room how much each lead is worth? Okay. Is, is anyone under $300 a lead? No? Okay. I'm personally, what's yours? I think 1700 Wow. Okay. I'm at 1075 So my only point is, is it worth $30, $40, $50 to send some kind of a gift to a client or a lead? It doesn't have to be a client. It can be a lead. I mean, even a lead, that lead is worth 1075 to spend 20 30 40 50 bucks to make their day when it's time to decide who they're going to go with and they're looking at interest rates and they're thinking I really I just want people to be thinking I really don't want to deal with anyone else other than Hunter like I just need to be close right you got some I want to add real quick yeah. when we have a pre-approval we always send out a you know a card that says you know thank you for applying with us we're going to earn your trust uh, P.S. Here's a lotto ticket. Um, we hope this goes towards your down payment. I finally had somebody win. I was so happy. They called me. They, oh my God, I won $500. So it happened. I love to tell that story when, when the clients call me and say, thanks for this. I just get a kick out of that. Yeah. They text me and call me. So it's so cool. So I, it, just one last comment on it. Just customize the gifting, right? I mean, it's okay to have a process. You'll see my gifting in. There's a, there's a sheet on how we gift and but we want, when we close a loan, the way that, it, like from a tactical standpoint, in the team meeting, I did forget this, in my team meeting, every time we fund a loan, we talk about, does the listing agent get added to accounts pyramid? Does the buying agent, is it someone we want to work with if we don't already? Does the client get added to our top client base? And what are we sending the client as a gift? And the answer now has turned into, we've done it enough now, where if one of the LP2s, or me for that matter, if we don't know what to gift the client, it means that we screwed up on our communication as far as finding out anything personal about them. I admittedly don't do uh, the All About You form. I probably will, I need to start, but I don't use one. I like to have my team basically try to fill one out without talking to, without here, if you're going to do an all about you form, in my opinion, I think we need to do them. I, I mean, Barry, I'm going to throw you under the bus. I, I, I love him. Barry just like, he wanted an all about you form on me, and I just started coaching him, and he literally just, he says there was a note in there. There was no note in there. It, just, it was like an all about you form. I'm like, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not going to fill out an all about you form. So the point is, like, if you're going to do, if you're going to do the all about you forms, you got to like, hey, you have to help them understand why you're doing it. You're important to me. If I send you something like I'll just get on the phone and say to a client, I did this and I ended up sending a book on jukeboxes. I'm like, I'm going to send you a gift because you're a great client and we loved working with you. I don't want to just send you something random that you're not going to want. So tell me what you like. She's like, Hunter, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm going to send you something. What are you into? Turns out she's into she's into antique dolls and her husband's into antique collector jukeboxes. So I sent him a $50 nice book on antique jukeboxes. Do you know what kind of response I got from that? A very, very nice one. You know, I mean, it's like they love me. So you've got to do things that 
I mean, the, the book, if there was a book I need to reread, I think we all need to read, worst title on the planet, phenomenal story, Mr. Schmooze. Right. The book, Mr. Schmooze, is about just blowing it out of the water for financial advisor. You know, it's like he wants to play his kid wants to learn how to play golf. He sends the kid customized titleists with his name on it. I mean, those type of things make people that's catering. So the other thing that I put down and this is just how many people don't close on time in this room? I mean, please be honest with you. How many people? Okay. I was kind of hoping the one guy that wasn't going to put his hand up is Jeremy. But but here's what I want. Here's how I want us to think about this. People, your clients understanding their cash to close, their payments, and you closing on time, all the gifts, the cheesy gifts, the real gifts, all of that stuff. None of it matters if you don't close the loan, if you're not proactive in your communication, if you don't have a dialed in system. So it's like that's what we really wanted this class to be about, too. It's like you have to understand to even get in to play the game, you've got to just do your job well. And I know, I mean, Jeremy closes with 60 loans last month or 40 loans, whatever. There's a huge amount of loans. Some of them, you know, one of them is going to get out of control, maybe. But the bottom line is, like, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> I can tell you right now, like, we haven't closed, uh, we don't close late, period. Like, you shouldn't close late. It's not excusable. It's just not excusable. So, all of the, like, you being in this class is a waste of time if you're going to close late on a loan, right? It's off the business partner. It's off the client. It doesn't mean that you care, right? Unless you absolutely rectify it. So, any questions? Yes? Do you have your team then? I'm calling to I do Tuesday updates to the realtors. My team does Tuesday updates to the client, except once in the transaction, they'll put me on the list for the Tuesday updates. But any type of written, any type of notes or extra part of our process is we have a few email templates like the appraisal is in. Clear to close. We're all copied on that, including the LP1. So that's another love fest. Yay! We're almost there, you know. And at the end, congratulations! We're so happy. And I pick up the phone and I call the client. So everybody chimes in. Everybody who is on that team is just a big love fest. I have to read one final quote. <laughs> this is client facing. Okay. My point is a team, a business partner, and a client. And just align yourself with if you would get one of these. My girlfriend and I recently purchased our first home, and Hunter's team helped us secure the loan. We'd been searching on an offer for four years, had previously secured pre-approvals through other lenders, but this time our agent highly recommended Hunter's team because they go through the underwriting process during pre-approval, which makes your offer stronger. Ultimately, it was Hunter's passion for the business and detailed explanation of my loan options and the team's transparent and regular communication that made this a great experience. Hunter also went above and beyond by personally refunding me the difference between the rate he originally drafted and the rate that we signed for. I ended up brokering the loan. I locked it the next day and whatever. <laughs> Top it off, they sent us a nice housewarming gift to welcome us to our new home. Buying a house is inherently a stressful and complex undertaking, but Hunter's team made it much more manageable and enjoyable. We will always work with Hunter and his team. So I just, like, we have to be, look at your best surveys. If I was going to give you a tactic, go look at your best surveys. Ask yourself if you get any type of an email or communication from your team members thanking you for your leadership. If you're not, you have a problem, right? 
Look at your business partners and what they're telling you about your business and look at your client referrals and see if you're in alignment with them on a consistent, what did I say, consistent communication and caring way. The three C's. I actually created the three C's. Um, okay, so does anybody have any other questions? We're actually, does anybody have any other questions? Yeah. On the budget yeah. No, I do it individually. Yeah, I do it individually. I don't think he does it. Yeah, but I'm not. I mean, I've got five people on my team, you know, but it's like what my team members said to me when I told them I wanted to pour into them. And they were it, one of the Michelle said to me, she goes, how do you have time with all the stuff that you have going on? How do you have time to pour into us by doing something like the budget? And my thought was, holy cow, if my team member is worried about not having enough time for them, I'm screwed, right? So we have to have, there's certain things you have to have time for. Your team, assuming they're just good people, it's huge. Anyone else? Yeah, Chad. You have a process from pre-approval to contract of, of gifting and touches. Application, we... Uh, Send that lotto ticket with the card. We do cookies under contract, or now we're doing s'mores. I can't remember who told us about that, but it's cute. Once they're under contract, they get this cute s'mores kit, and it says the card says, "Congratulations, but we have some more work to do." And, uh, and so that goes out. And then we do a really nice, huge, beautiful knife at the end. And we also have a charity gift through Sozo. We choose one of those. So I think that's a great thing for everyone in the room. Like the concierge have different touch points. Right. We need to bring approval to great things. Right. Cool. Yeah. Um, I don't remember who it was, but we did a 72-day follow-up. We increased the conversion, and we started doing a 72-day follow-up from pre-approval um, uh, to contract, and it is helping us through our gas cards, videos, text. You know, it's got a different. For 72 days? Do you know who has it? Robin? Robbie Sampson? Got it. Okay. So we can all go to the core to ask about the 73 day or 72 day? 72 day follow up plan. Yeah, we got a lot of information. It's just a question of whether or not we execute on it, right? Um, anyone else? Cool. So I think we have a limited time to get back. Like, oh, you guys, of course I have to say this. Please do this. Have you done this phone thing yet? With it? We don't have reception. You don't have reception. Great. Okay, you can, you can scan it outside. And please give us uh, your feedback. And you guys, Julie, please give Julie a hand. First... So thank you, everyone. You've been listening to the CORE's Sales Training Boot Camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.thecoretraining.com.